0: what is up everyone welcome to plastic cards podcast show where we break down the video game news of the week i already screwed it up james that's great thank <laughs> you for joining me we have a very special guest we got james from the circle and square podcast i really appreciate you being on the show how are you doing james I'm doing fantastic,
1: man. Don't even worry about messing up that intro. I didn't even notice. I mean, that's the life of what we do here as podcasters, right? But yeah, no, thanks for having me. I, you invited me, I think it was last week we were chatting a bit and, and uh, I was super excited to get the invite. And, you know, I was uh, checking out your guys' content. I love the green screen sc- stuff that you guys do. Like, it's super cool to see you guys on the couch, like with the, the video behind. It's super unique. So uh, you know what? I was not going to say no to the invite. And thanks a lot for having me on.
0: I appreciate it. And I, I dig your, you know, corner of the wall thing you got going on. Maybe you're behind a Starbucks or something plugged in. I appreciate your background too.
1: Yeah, you know what? I just moved like a couple months ago, right? And so we've been going through that whole setting up the new house type of deal. And I got this desk kind of set up and trust me, like it's really efficient on the in front of me side, but behind me, I got to get the decoration still going. But you know, a couple of weeks ago, at least on my show, I didn't even have a plug cover on there. So at least I've upgraded, you know, for now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny where it's like sometimes I spend, I think too much time like thinking about how important a background is. Like I've gone through that over the years of, oh, I got to have school stuff going on or switching the green screen. And then I'll follow like these other big podcasters. It's just like exactly what you have up. They're just kind of like chilling. So I think at a certain point, it's like it matters more like what you're doing, saying than getting caught up. I can have a cool, the best background in the world, but if I suck, which I do, it doesn't <laughs> matter then.
1: Well that's the thing, right? And you're smart cuz you got the green screen going on like you can literally have whatever you want. And for me it's like, you know, I'm never going to compete with those those dudes that have like the huge wall of like all these collectibles and stuff. I just I just can't compete with that, you know? So why not just keep it simple? I got my like my corkboard and just black and white, you know? I can put up whatever I want. It's all good.
0: Uh, yeah, for sure. That's kind of where I'm going to go with. I'm just going to be outside in the yard, just podcasting. There, we're talking about people in the Starbucks podcasting in the lobby. Yeah, that's, that's where it's going. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's like every episode, you just aim to top exactly what you did last time.
0: Right. You try. Yeah. You, next time,
1: you should use the green screen and sit like with my wall behind you.
0: <laughs> That'd be so meta, and yeah, I'm going to do that now for sure. I'm just going to try and okay. troll different podcasters and inside <laughs> their background and maybe not get sued, but we'll try. All right, James. Well want to transition to the show here. I really appreciate you once again being on so you can catch James on the Circle and Square podcast. You guys are everywhere pretty much, you know, Twitter, YouTube, every, anywhere you can download MP3s. You also have your co-host with you, Katie, and I have her Twitter pulled up here uh, at you. It's Utopia,
1: yeah. Yeah, there you go. She's a big yes. tea drinker, so I guess it's a play on words, right? She's like a lit student and a tea drinker,
0: so there you go. Nice. That's awesome. Well, give me a rundown on how you guys started the show, kind of the origin of Circle and Square.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, to I guess the the starting point would be that, for those that don't know, Katie's actually my sister. So we grew up together playing games uh, right from being little kids. And so it's cool because we had that experience growing up. You know, we had an N64 and all that stuff, PlayStation 1, and we grew up and we really just played games together. That's what we did. And now it's kind of been the thing. Well, we're adults, right? We don't live together. We But the podcast is kind of where we can still come together and we get to talk about the stuff we love. So that's kind of what where it started from. And it's, it's interesting because we used to play a lot of the same stuff stuff. stuff. But now as we've gotten older and kind of moved apart, I've gotten more, way more into certain stuff like RPGs and, and all that. And she's way more into like the the hardcore core like Sekiro and Souls and some more of the RTS kind of stuff, fighting games. So it's it's kind of cool to have the difference of opinion and then still have some stuff like, you know, a lot of the PlayStation uh, exclusives that we both love a lot. And that's why we mostly cover PlayStation on our show. Um, although we talk about everything. I mean, Kate plays a lot on, on computer and I have Xbox and Switch and everything. So we're all over the place. But it's pretty much just a, a love of games and, and a reason for us to hang out and talk. So it's it's cool. And then we get to also meet other people like yourself and uh, some other people on Twitter that I'm sure you guys who are in the Plastic Hearts community have seen pop up. So it's just uh, it's a fun place to be and we we love doing it. So it's just the fun, I think, that keeps us coming back.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome to hear, like, um, just uh, especially with you growing up, with Katie, like, you know, playing games and kind of where that changes, like over time. I think of my sisters, I have two sisters as well, and we grew up just playing the same games, or they would kind of watch me play a lot of the time, and now they kind of dropped off, but they'll pick in, jump in every once in a while, but I always have this memory of me playing GTA, like way too early. Like I should never have been playing GTA, but <laughs> we all had that is, experience. Yeah, exactly. It's like somehow you know, my parents are like, okay, I don't know what this is, but I was playing it, but I, I would do all the missions and stuff, but they just were cool with like driving the speed limit and going to the drive through like a uh, food stations and then just like parking their car to house. Yeah. was theirs. I just loved how they took a different route with playing that game for sure.
1: It's so funny. You mentioned that that's like exactly what I tried to do with GTA when I was a kid. Like I, I didn't really care for the whole missions. I think I was, I was probably a bit young, right? I remember playing like Vice City or something. And I was, I was, I don't know, probably a few years too young to really understand. But all I knew is like, you know, cars and whatever's going on. And, and so I, I was like, oh, I wonder how well I can drive within the lines. And, you know, five minutes of that. And it's like all of a sudden the cheat codes are way more fun. And you're just there like doing, doing all the random shit you do in GTA. But yeah, it's funny.
0: It's also really hard to drive the speed limit and be within the lines. It's like it's almost the game wants you to just be, you know, insane and just, you know, drive over people. It's like it's hard to actually be a normal citizen in that game.
1: I think it's, I mean, it's pretty much impossible, right? They're pretty much just there to to get hit by your car. So I think <laughs> it's just one of those things that's like, that's the experience of GTA. And uh, I mean, I'm speaking from only the PS2 really experience of GTA. I haven't played that for like years and years. So I'm not the right guy to ask about the new ones, though.
0: Yeah, I understand because um, I did get in on the hype of the last one. I want to say five, which uh, wh- back when it came out, which is nuts to think back when it came out because it's still like top of the chart selling. It's crazy, every every man. Year. It launched on PS3. Like, I, yeah. I just can't believe it. Like, the whole online infrastructure
1: of that game, the way they kept it going, like, it's, it's just something else. It, you know, people always talk about Fortnite and all those games as being so dominant. I guess GTA as well. But it's just, I think GTA gets lost on how impressive it is just because of its age.
0: Yeah, very true. And maybe because of, I don't know if it's like the subject matter or whatever, but they're able to just cram so much in this, you know, this open world. And they, the, you could criticize the story for sure, but like the newer stories are very much, you know, they're, they're adult, but they're like on the same level as something you watch on, on Netflix or in a movie. It's like, it's all well casted and well written and, you know, parody of stuff. But like they maybe, I don't know if they don't get the praise because they definitely do, but it's like there is some serious, you know, Awesome stuff to chew on with GTA. You could also you could always just like make fun of how ridiculous it is. And it is, I like that it leans into that, but it's also it can be, you know, it's pretty serious and it's a dope franchise. Like I think it's there on the top of the selling list for a reason every every month, whether I'm jumping in or not. Awesome. Okay. So we are back with James from the Circle and Square podcast. My house hey. blew up somehow, so we lost power for a second. <laughs> so that was great. Um, but anyways, I was rambling on about GTA. It didn't matter either way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it gave us a nice segue, right? A nice segue opportunity. <laughs> That's all I do. Gotta Every take time them. we Gotta need to a to transition,
0: them. just unplug the power.
1: Yeah, just just pretend, oh, another power outage. Okay, topic number two. <laughs> yeah.
0: It only takes, you know, 20 minutes of setup in between uh, uh, news stories. That's cool. <laughs> all right, well, I got you on the line now, James, and I wanted to break down some of the news and stuff, and especially what you've been playing, which I know you've been playing Elden Ring, but I want to talk on some of the stuff that just happened recently, see if you have a take on it. Uh, one of the big recent things, uh, at least last week, the review embargo lifted on the Steam Deck. Did you catch any of that online? Do you have an interest in the Steam Deck? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did catch it. We just covered it actually on our last show as well, if you want to go check that out, anyone. But I guess, I mean, my I'm not a Steam user, really. I mean, of, of course I have Steam. Uh, who doesn't at this point if you're playing games? But I'm not, like, PC is probably my least played uh you know gaming arena i guess you'd say so steam deck to me was never something i was you know gonna jump at day one but i really love the idea of it just because i mean who doesn't have a million indie games on their steam library you know and those are so perfect for handheld and i've always liked handheld gaming so i'm I'm interested in a device kind of like it but to me it's kind of one of those things of like do i really want to be the early adopter of this type of technology and I feel like a lot of the reviews kind of confirmed my opinion on that. Not that it's a bad piece of hardware. Like I think it does what people are wanting it to do based on what I've heard, but the, the two hour like maximum battery life is really kind of painful. I feel. And that's like, you know, people say the Switch doesn't have a great battery, and, and I agree, it's not, like, amazing if you compare it to some other handhelds, but it gets you through, right? But I feel two hours just isn't quite enough, and then there's the whole thing of, like, not all the games are working on it right away, and, of course, that'll get patched in, so it's not a huge deal, but it's just that those kind of bumps you go through, I guess, on, like, a, a new piece of tech launching, and so... um, for those that have one, though, I'm I'm happy that a lot of people seem to enjoy actually playing the thing, right, I, and it, it, that it does apparently feel pretty comfy to hold. I know it looks like really big and bulky, so I think generally it looks like a cool piece of tech is what I'm saying, but it's just maybe not my thing.
0: I hear it. and that's kind of where I landed on when this was initially announced and then the pre-orders went live, but seeing the coverage and kind of getting, uh, having people get their, get their hands on it and play around with it. I find myself getting more intrigued and, and actually excited for it. I did actually jump in on the pre-orders. I pre-ordered the, oh, did like you? the, nice yeah, like the base level one, but it's, it's only five bucks to get your pre-order in there, but then you're at the back of the line. So this thing might not, I might not get into like summertime, maybe if I'm lucky fall time, but I am interested in it. It's a pretty cool little device. Um, I'm honestly way more interested in the fact that you can and Valve lets you do this with other tech, like you can stream your PC gameplay to even your phone if you want, or to like a Chromecast, but this little device lets you do that as well. But it seems to work incredibly fast, as a, a lot of reviews mm, are saying. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find myself more interested with, because I have a PC, I do play PC games, but I'd rather be on my couch and play them. And you can do yeah, stuff like, right. I'll, I'll lug my PC over to the living room and stuff. But if I can just jack into with my TV into this thing, and it streams like pretty much one for one, I'm way more in- interested in doing that
1: yeah it sounds good and by, by all accounts it's running the games it does play like pretty well right so it's for that kind of use if it's kind of secondary to having your gaming pc i feel like it's it's honestly a no-brainer especially if like if, if i see myself in a different universe where i'm not like you know a console kind of enthusiast and i just have my pc and i wanted to play more games it's like why would i not want this you know it's just having that handheld experience and then the, the other thing for me too and i guess the other point I would have on it is I'm, I would be really interested in the emulation side of this as well. Kind of how people are going to kind of break it apart and put different operating systems and stuff. Like it, it just seems so perfect for that. Like I know the PSP was kind of the King for that back in the day. And I feel like this will finally kind of take that over. And so that would be interesting as well for those, you know, who are interested in those type of modding and, and all those type of deal. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Like I have, I have um, one of those kind of cheap, emulation things you know those little handhelds you can buy enjoy it but it's really finicky so if i could get that type of thing working on this then i think that would be something that would really turn it around on top of the steam stuff too
0: Right, and I'm also interested interested in that too, um, because I've done that over the years. You know, you mentioned the PSP, where that was like this kind of peak device that everyone just then, you know, jailbroke and then turned it into that, which was kind of hard for, and why we got the Vita having those proprietary memory cards and made it a whole thing. Oh, what a pain in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> which arguably tanked that device, but also Sony just you know didn't care about it at some point uh, as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, that whole just emulation side of things is really cool, and you have the horsepower. Behind being able to to actually handle these games, because a lot of these games, if you go like to the PS One era, it's hard for whatever device to actually run them, even though you think it wouldn't be that crazy. So yeah, if you yeah. have the tech behind the Steam Deck running it, then you have potentially, you know, all the way up to what PS Two, maybe PS Three games, if there's already emulation stuff like that, it's the sky's the limit.
1: Well, right. And then you factor in like the the way that it's like the switch because they're doing a dock for that thing too, right? Like you can bring it over to TV, similar, similar ideas. So, I mean, technically you buy that thing in a a world where all that stuff is up and working. You literally have like every classic console docking to your TV. Like what more would you want? And if you're an enthusiast of old stuff, which I mean, I'm not a huge, I'm not huge into like retro stuff, but at the same time, that's appealing, especially if you can get it all in one box.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way where I'm kind of coming around to that later on because around the PS3 era, I just started downloading everything. And I just thought, if you buy a game in the store, what are you, caveman? It's like, just download that. It's super easy. You stream it. You don't have to leave your couch. And I'm still in that mindset. But at the same time, especially seeing stuff with Nintendo, the direction they're going with their, um, with that subscription service where they're not really interested in letting people just buy stuff a la carte anymore. It's like, you just have their subscription, whatever they decide to put on there, whenever they take it off, you're kind of stuck with that. And seeing that, Going forward, it's like maybe we do, maybe maybe we should have held on to these games when we had them. And so I find myself like leaning a little bit more that direction of trying to, you know, just have these games somewhat where if I do want to play them, I'm not. But if I do want to play them, I have them. I, f- I feel you, yeah. Especially like, and it's interesting
1: too when you get into the whole like physical digital type of thing. Like, do you want to own these games somewhere else, or are you doing the subscription service? I mean, that's a whole another conversation, right? But right. I mean, I'm I'm like all on the digital side now, and so I, I've kind of just you got to pick, right? And I only have so much space, and <laughs> it's just and that's I guess the appeal of the Steam Deck too, and it's just this the library of games you can get, right? But uh, yeah, it's an interesting. I guess that's the whole preservation of video games thing, right? And that's I think that's what you're talking about is like the next. I mean, if you can think about the next 10 years of like, what's that going to look like? How are we really going to play a lot of these old games? Especially right. like you say, Nintendo too, like we could go down a rabbit hole of like the selection of stuff they put on those services, but I'm sure it's not complete in most people's eyes. And yeah, we're just will, have not having that be, option. Right? Yeah, the uh, that's exactly what we want is the option. Like I think the subscriptions are fine, but I don't think it should be the only the only way to do it, right?
0: Yeah, no, and I agree with you. And it's uh, something I'm just becoming now more curious about but yeah it was and I'm still that way where it's like I'm just going to download games it's so easy um skipping a little bit ahead but I found that same thing with uh with Horizon Forbidden West you could have bought the game for in the US it was 60 bucks like the PS4 retail price uh and then free you got the free upgrade to PS5 but there was this trickery where if you wanted to pre-download the game preload it you had to have the PS5 version and so they got me. I just paid, you know, the, the full PS5 price so I could actually pre-download and play at midnight. Um, so there was some weirdness there, but it's like that stuff is, you know, happening more often now
1: yeah and it's and i mean talking about sony specifically they've made that whole thing so confusing with all of these different digital downloads i had a similar thing happen to me when i bought um the tsushima icky island dlc earlier i think i uh-huh. guess it was last year now but i i bought that and i i ended up buying they had a few different packs of like the dlc or the dlc plus the game or something like that and i'd had the original game on ps4 and then played the DLC on PS5, but I bought like some version I didn't actually need. And by the time I'd already downloaded it, there was like no refunds and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's not clear. And, and I, it's interesting that um, when you sent me over, like kind of what we were going to be talking about today, I went over and I looked on the, of the store of like, because uh, I actually didn't know about that, that horizon uh problem with the dlc and it seemed like yeah you i mean you could have worked it to get a discount if you wanted to but they didn't really present it that way and it was kind of put like you know why would you not have bought the ps5 version but then if you read between the lines you can get this discount and then it's like are they going to reimburse people that kind of got i wouldn't say deceived but it's you know the same time it wasn't clear right it was it's kind of on them i think to make it clear for the the buyer
0: Yeah, they definitely, you know, hope that people would just buy it. You know, um, I think they did whatever they could to just try and stay oblivious, even though they knew what was going on, that it was uh, oblivious enough that would be allowed by, you know, consumers. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, Mm -hmm. they offered that. And then originally, you know, you could upgrade it. But then what they held hostage was, okay, well, if you want to play it right now, then you, uh, we only yeah, see the yeah. PS5 version on, on the marketplace. So it's like, okay, man, I'll do it. I guess it's just 10 more bucks, but it is going to preload it, right? <laughs> I
1: had to, I had to. All for the preload. Yeah. Interesting. I'd am be I'm interested. What do you think of that game anyway? I, I'm a bad PlayStation fan today. I've actually not played either Horizon game. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I, I tried the first one. It wasn't exactly my cup of tea. Uh, so I, I've yet to like, you know, go back and try that again. And so I kind of stayed away from Forbidden West for now, but
0: uh, I hear. I hear it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's that's that's interesting. That point you brought up, where it is for some reason they just it doesn't call a lot to them, or they try it maybe on sale and it's just not for them. And I don't mm. see how that's the case. Like it's, I think it's awesome um, across the board. Like even the first one, it's already that that first original Horizon is super beautiful. The open world is it's just really fun gameplay loop to to experience a play in to climb everything to fight these. First of all, there's robot dinosaurs. So if that doesn't catch that's you. Cool. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's like maybe, you know, anything <laughs> visual isn't for you because it's like, it's robot dinosaurs. That's no, it's awesome, cool. But. I mean,
1: the world is sick, man. The The thing that took me out of it a l- was I didn't really love the combat. Like I, I found it to be a little tedious in terms of like setting up the traps and like I got to make sure it's in the right place to lure this guy over here. And and it it was just a little bit meticulous for me. And, and I'm also not a huge open world guy. Like I can, I can play him. Like I love Tsushima. It was one of my favorite games on the PS4, but... Is, that's a secondary thing. So kind of those two things combine. if it's like, it's an open world, it's doing the combat that I really like, maybe not. So I kind of pulled back. And it's too bad because the world is super cool, like those robot dinosaurs. And I know kind of about the twist that happens at the end. And Aloy is a cool character. So there's so much to like, and I would love to give it another shot, but we'll see, we'll see. But the, you know, the thing that really swayed me here though, is that overall people liking the new one makes me want to go back and play them more now. It's like if this one had bombed a little bit, I would be less inclined.
0: I hear yeah. If it wasn't, if they weren't capitalizing or improving on on the next one, and I think they have for sure. It's it's hard to just talk about the visuals with this game because it is very fun. They have improved uh, traversal and uh, some of the combat mechanics are at least more fine tuned. It's still very much of the same. So if you didn't like that original combat, you may not like the sequel. Right. But it's hard to not just talk about the visuals because it's so uh, gorgeous. Like it's it's one of the best looking games I've ever played, and, and I find myself. Going into the photo mode so often, I think that's what's extended my playthrough is just like I have to freeze frame. Hours in the photo mode. Right. Yeah. Just swirling around. And then I'll freeze frame into that photo mode. And it just, it doesn't make sense how it looks that good in engine. And it, but it does somehow. And it's, it's just a marvel to look at. And it's also really fun to play. So I, I highly recommend it. But it's also, you got to be kind of, you know, into that mood, it's got to call out to you. And if it doesn't, it, it just might not. That's the thing. And that's and you just can't
1: play everything too, right? Like one of the other reasons I didn't pick it up was because I was like, well, you mean, I got to play something for the podcast, right? So it was this or it was Elden Ring. And
0: mm. and neither
1: one is really like traditionally my jam. So I picked one, I picked Elden Ring. And, you know, maybe foreshadowing for a bit or later in the podcast, but I'm, I'm really liking that one. So I made a good choice, I think.
0: Well, I want to get your take on that because I have, I've talked with my co-host Gavin a bunch about it. I have. I want no smoke that Elder Ring's offering. Like those games are so hard. <laughs> the Souls games, right? Yeah, I respect them. People dig them, but they're just too hard for me. But I love that it's got such a critical acclaim. People are just fully, you know, investing their lives into it, loving it. What are you thinking so far, early on into Elder Ring? How do you like it? Sure. Well, I mean, I want to say I'm not a Souls person traditionally either. Like I I played
1: Bloodborne and I I really liked it despite getting stuck forever. Like it took me so many times putting it down, coming back two weeks later. Like I, I went through that for so many months beating Bloodborne, but I ended up really liking the game. And then I played Sekiro on launch too, because I was pretty excited for that. And I, I've just really bounced off of it. I know a lot of the Souls community finds it to be the best one because I think they really get into, and I'm really generalizing here, like <laughs> the whole community, but people really like the parrying, right? And they like the the kind of flowy combat between you blocking and them. So, but the, I bounced off of that one and I just found it to be too tough. And so... With Elden Ring, I was like, you know what? I got to give Souls one more shot. I've got a, you know, one game I like, one game I didn't, and this one looked a lot more appealing to me. And so I, I jumped in, and I'm, I'm having a really good time. Um, as someone that isn't great at this, and I think, I mean, I'm not gonna, I won't spoil anything here. Obviously, a lot of people haven't played yet, but I think that the open world aspect of it is really the reason for that. And it's because when I get stuck you can literally just go in like any other direction and you have so much more to do that you can find something else that is more approachable for you if you don't mind kind of exploring around. Whereas in the other games, if you got stuck, you might have like, you know, one or two more paths that you might have found you could go down, but you might be stuck on multiple of those, right? And then you're kind of just like bashing your head against that wall. And if you're not getting any better, you're just getting frustrated. And uh, that game, this game does such a good job to fix that, at least for me um because i'm not so concerned with like going through the main path i'm more than happy to you know explore the forest over to the east for 2 hours and collect some some experience and come back like i i'm i'm really enjoying that and then just the world itself like you mentioned with horizon is is very large and i don't think it's quite as beautiful as horizon personally like the 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 art style is very cool but i think it looks a little bit less polished than what than what horizon offers but the world itself like you find there's just constant stuff you're finding like little caves little places to explore so it's just so dense and i'm i'm having a really really good time exploring it despite dying like a billion times <laughs>
0: I mean, dying a billion times like that's what you sign up for. But yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, to touch on some of the things you mentioned, yeah, I, I have heard the same thing, especially from my co-host Gavin, where you know I'm playing uh, Horizon, I'm sending him screenshots, and he's sending me screenshots of Elden Ring. And from his perspective, he's like, yeah, it's not as good looking as as something like you know as uh, Horizon. It's not on that caliber. But I think where it shines is that art direction mm-hmm. is just the. How these characters are created, how they look on screen—it's so radically unique, and that's also the the strength of these. A lot of these Souls games, where they just look so visually different from anything, and so mysterious, where you want to learn more. You have these like crazy, horrible enemies that are going on, uh, and these vast, you know, really unique-looking worlds. Where I think that is that is a strength, at least just breaking apart the visuals with Elden Ring and these Souls games that they're way more interesting to look at and they might not have the best, like you said, polish or high resolution textures, whatever, Yeah, Uh, but they just look so unique.
1: Well, that's just it. Right. And I, I think I read somewhere like they're using a pretty old engine to make this. And this is the, kind of the realm where like I'm not an expert on this type of stuff. But I think they're still using a lot of the same engines they were using for even like Demon Souls or Dark Souls in a lot of ways. Mm. So I think it's it's maybe starting to show a little bit of its edges. Like I definitely don't think the character models will like well, I said, the art looks cool, but they definitely don't like if you look at the faces and, and all that stuff, they're nowhere near as defined as something you'd see in a lot of those other newer I guess Horizon's probably using a way newer system, right? So is I don't think it's a big deal, but I I do think it's something that if you're not already accustomed to, like, oh, I can't wait for the next Souls game, if you're just checking it out kind of as a newcomer, you might bounce off of it a little bit if you're used to playing, like, the biggest and best, like, graphical powerhouse games, you know? Um But but yeah, I mean, I think the other thing about the style of the world is is the scale of it, too, is is, there's like this massive you walk out into the field at one point, like really early on and you just kind of look up and there's this this gigantic tree, like you can't even see the top of it when you pan your camera. And I think the Souls games, like Bloodborne, when I played it before as well, they always have like just these, it's almost like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids moments when it's like everything's just so big or you come across these gigantic castles and you're just like, how the hell am I ever going to explore this whole place? And then you you just find like these paths and you somehow you do it. And it's really, really cool to, to have that experience because it just seems so undoable when you first start especially like since you can't walk 2 feet without getting stabbed in the back and and you're uh, you're dead again so <laughs> it's an experience for sure
0: gotcha yeah that's it's awesome to hear because it's just it's such a cool looking game but it makes me think of and there's been also these these um, comparisons to, it's hard not to, but these comparisons to Breath of the Wild where they had that same kind of idea where you can, anything you see, you can go there. And it seems like Elden Ring also brings it to the table, but it's with this Souls style, you know, combat.
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've been able to go pretty much everywhere I've seen so far. Um, I, I can see the comparisons for sure. I always think it's like, it's such an unfortunate, uh, comparison that everything has to come back to breath of the wild not that it's i mean you got to compare things to the high watermark but at the same time i think people just love breath of the wild so much that it it sets like everything up for failure right and 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 it's interesting though like i definitely see so much inspiration though i haven't played a ton of breath of the wild admittedly i'm I'm not a huge Zelda guy, so I shouldn't uh. probably say that out loud, but um, <laughs> I mean, I have a huge respect for the franchise, a huge respect for uh, Breath of the Wild. And so this is definitely the same thing. It's like Disneyland, right? People always make that comparison of like you're on a hill and you see three things in the distance. What do you want to go look at? And you're yep. you're kind of like, thank God there's a map in Elden Ring. And I'm sure there is in Zelda, too, where you can kind of put markers down and, and come back later and um, I mean, the other part of the map that's so cool to explore, too, is right now, because it's so new, I'm playing uh, like Katie's playing at the same time and our other buddy um, Mike is playing and I'm kind of texting back and forth with them I'm like, hey, man, have you been here? Like, have you guys seen this? And it, it's just really cool like how we're exploring differently as well. And we've been to some locations where it's like, well, yeah, we've both been here, but. I mean, I found it a completely different way, like I might have taken a path through a, you know, a certain like a sewer or something, and then Mike was teleported there by a random guy. And it's like, totally different experience, but we get to the same place. And it's just so cool. Um, I've really not experienced anything like that before too many other games, like the community portion of it, too.
0: That's, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned something earlier on as well, where, and this is where I, you know, keep I think I keep burning myself, but you mentioned how you're kind of a, this new person jumping in, but you're still having success. And I keep thinking of, there's a gift from Dumb and Dumber that's always played online where it's Harry going, so tell me, you, you tell me there's a chance. And I feel like <laughs> I just need these little bits of, yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard. Don't try this, but maybe, and that's all I need. I'm like, okay, bet I'm there. I was there with Demon Souls yeah, yeah. Uh, remake on PS5. They had this royalty class that let you cast magic, whatever. It's still so hard. and I, But that's all I heard. It's like, cool, I bought it and I couldn't play it. Or with Returnal, it's like, maybe there's someone you can do here. Too hard for me there. But I hear these things you keep saying that maybe is, do you think this is somewhat approachable because maybe it's the open world aspect where you can leave and, and refresh?
1: It's the open world for sure. For, for me anyway, just my personal experience. I mean- I'm not good at these games really. I've never been like a, I mean even in Bloodborne when I beat that I was never parrying guys. Like the timing for me just doesn't click for some reason. I can't do it. I'm I just I just dodge, right? And so I I think like if I took the time to master all that stuff, I could probably do it. I think I that's what they say up to everyone, right? But I'm not going to tell everyone to get good. Sometimes you just don't want to get good. Um but I think like I said, you can run around, you can find weaker stuff. And there's there's some like pretty weak enemies in the open field as well and you can really like with the horse you can really kind of ride around and cheese them in a way where they can't really hit you if you're smart. So, I mean, if you're into grinding for a few hours, instead of, instead of trying the same boss over and over again, when you're underleveled, you can kind of level up as well. Um, so, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to come and have an easy time, but I, I would personally say of all the difficult games that are known for like, Oh, you know, why do people play this? Oh, because it's hard and they like the challenge. I think this is the most appealing one that I've come, come across. And I mean, I would encourage you to try it as someone that was skeptical coming in. Like I bought this game probably expecting to to not love it, and I would say I like it quite a bit.
0: Okay, okay, that's uh, I'm interested, but I just but don't I'm sorry get if again.
1: I I'm sorry if I waste your money though, man. <laughs> I, that's the thing. Say, I'm going to send
0: you the bill yeah, if I can't get yeah. past the dog enemy in the beginning or whatever. <laughs>
1: Look, I, I, we got to set a clause then. If I'm going to re- refund you, fine, but we got to set like you got to make it to at least like X portion into the game, right? You got to give it a, a fair shake.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I know with uh, Demon Souls, and I I put in a good amount of time, and it was just too too tough. Or you know what? I had success with that game, but I could tell early on, like what I had to trade for that success was the time, was the grilling like trial and error and dying a bunch and mm-hmm. getting the timing right. And I could see that it's just it wasn't for me. And I think with these types of games. I I know that now that it's just maybe not for me with, I brought up paternal, had the same kind of issues where I love this world. It's so cool, so visually stunning, but I just can't get used to what they want me to do. I can't just keep dying. I felt like I wasn't progressing at all and I just kind of, I had to put it down, but you know, I jumped in early on and bought it full price. I was just bummed that I wish I could try it and just kind of get a taste of it.
1: Have you tried any of the... um... I guess like masochistic platformer stuff like super Boy or celeste or any of those type of type of games
0: so what's interesting is I love celeste and I I don't normally I'm not good at those games and with celeste is I think with celeste it's so immediate that you can ju- go in and try something again but there's time and time again and how I ended up loving the game which I understand the people that love these souls games where I kept trying and it seemed every little step every little stage rather was so impossible I would jump into the new one it's like oh I can't that's there's no way to beat this well this is a joke and then i'd try and try and try and get it and it felt so good and then the next level same thing oh this is this is a joke there's no way you can beat this level but then you keep trying and then when you finally beat it i love that that's one of my favorite games ever but i just can't put that same you know like module into these games and then i don't see how I'd have success in these games
1: it's funny you say this and i feel like we're connecting a lot over this argument because i'm going to tell you um like what you just said about celeste is one of the reasons that i really liked it as well was just the rapidity with which you get right back in like you die and you're just snap you're like immediately back there you can try it again so it doesn't feel super tedious to practice right like you you just you can do it a million times in a row Whereas the Souls games, a lot of the time, what put me off of, especially like when I got stuck in Bloodborne a bunch was not only have you died, but, oh, you now have to run back for 30 seconds through a whole bunch of enemies because you spawn so far away. Oh, what's that? You don't have any health potions left, so you better go farm some of those before you do that run back because you're going to die. Oh, what's that? You died while well, you're farming, like you're even more behind, right? Like it's just, it kind of out to screw you over, Um I think Elden Ring improves that a little bit at least because not it's not just the save points now. There's also kind of these beacons before boss fights where you can actually respawn there. And they're oftentimes like really close by. So it's almost as fast as something like Celeste. Like it doesn't put you right back in the fight itself, but you can get there in like five seconds and there's oftentimes very few enemies. So for me, like that's another thing that I like in comparison with like a quality of life thing is like you can actually quote-unquote practice a lot easier if you want to do that as well um even though it's still incredibly tough (laughs) and it's it's not like the game's easy despite that it just makes it's like a quality of life thing right it's something they, at least something they improve for accessibility which is an area where they don't always do the best in my opinion uh with the from stuff
0: man you're you're you know speak uh piquing my interest again where i'm thinking maybe i could jump in to try this um it's it's on my list. I, I definitely have a bunch of stuff that I need to play them still. I, I I finished Dying Light, at least the story, and then jumped oh, right nice. into Horizon. So it's like, I've been trying to rush through these games, but it's on my list. Um, it's just
1: where we're at, man. Everything's, I, we say that on the show too, all the time. It's like, it's on my list. And what does that mean? It means I like the look of the game, but am I gonna play it? I mean, probably not. <laughs> like Probably not for a while anyway.
0: Yeah, and then I tell myself, if I get that Steam Deck, then I can sit at, on my couch. I can finally jump, jump into my backlog. And it's like, no, it's not going to happen. That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah. I can finally do that. I can finally lay in bed and play Skyrim for the hundredth time and, right. and do that whole thing. And, and you know, you, realistically, what do you do? You take it to bed and then you drop it on your face in five minutes when you fall asleep. <laughs> and, and that's how it goes.
0: Yeah. Now with the Steam Deck, it's like, it's going to knock yeah, you out. If you, it's right. And then
1: you, then you take the next day off work and you actually play all day with your concussion, um, right. dropping that thing on your head. So <laughs> maybe it works that's out a different good.
0: way. Now, I did what, before we leave Elden Ring, there's been, with the reviews, there's more of a conversation. This game, this topic does come up pretty often uh, lately with games like Seafood, Returnal. But do you foresee, would a, some kind of difficulty option or toggle mode, would that ruin a game like this? How do you lean on those, on that topic of, you know, not uh, accessibility, but it's like approachability with these kind of games? Look, I am a huge I'm
1: such an advocate of all that kind of thing. Give me as many different customization options as you can. Uh, let me tweak the game as much as I want. Give me as many sliders as you can possibly put in there um, for all that kind of thing. And I've, I've had this conversation with Kate a lot on the show too to keep bringing it up. Like she's a traditional Souls fan. She's played them all, like master of the game on the subreddit, all this stuff. And I guess like that community has an idea that it ruins the purity of the game, right? To To kind of include those features. But to me, it's like, if you love this game so much, don't you want the biggest portion of people to be able to experience them and giving a little slider in the menu that's like, you know, increase my armor by 20% or, you know, increase my damage output by 20% or give me an extra healing item or something, like, you know, any, any little tweak, there's so many different things they could do. And I feel like I just don't really understand the whole, like, it will ruin the experience because you can just play without it. And you know give give someone a trophy or give someone a special collectible item and that makes sense in the lore that is you know so important to these games that if you beat it on the regular you know regular whatever that is then you get this item or something like there's so many workarounds to me and it just is i think it's gonna end up looking pretty archaic to not have these settings as we move forward like in the next five ten years and all that stuff and i feel like um This game would only benefit from it, and I really, really wish they had it, because people like you, right, that are so interested, and people like me, like, I only just got over the line to buy this game. I was kind of, you know, on the fence the whole time, like I said, and people like you, I think you would be way more into buying it, right, if you could guarantee yourself you're not going to get instantly stuck. Um, I, I just don't see the downside, honestly. It doesn't make any sense to me that people wouldn't want those settings.
0: Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I have those exact same thoughts as you, and especially the idea of, I've had that too, where it's you can give the hardcore players that want to you know, beat it without getting touched once or want to be in the yeah. crazy hardest difficulty, give them a cool special hat, whatever they want to just make them feel cool. But when it's these single-player experiences, me adjusting my sliders to whatever degree changes nothing to what another player experiences. So I just don't get how it matters at all. Now, if it's a conversation of the devs didn't plan on it, they have their artistic vision of mine. That's where I'm like, okay, I get that. They want to make what they want to make. Cool. But if they're open to these sliders that, you know, don't change the, the experience for someone else, I don't see how there's any issue with that at all.
1: Well, I, I just related to that um, Metroid DLC that just recently was announced. I, I'm sure you you might have caught yeah. it, but they, I mean, that game was in the difficulty conversation too. And and I think what they did was, <clears throat> it's not as in depth as giving you sliders and whatnot, but I mean, they gave the hardcore kind of boss rush no hits mode in, and then they also gave the the easy mode, which I I think is great because a lot of people were like, man, I, I really enjoyed Metroid, but it it was just so hard, I put it down, and now those people can can play the game and hopefully have a good time. And then guess what? We're probably going to get more Metroid games because. As more people will buy it and play it so it's, again it's just only a positive I think Um, but again the, the artistic vision thing is, is kind of where it gets interesting because I can see especially playing Elden Ring like they really want you to have a certain experience with certain bosses like the way that you can kind of approach things and, and um, I can see how the game if you're really you want to have it a certain way and you like had such a good experience on the difficult mode how you'd be like no you're playing it you know you're playing it wrong you're not having this great experience that i had but at the same time like why would you want to tell someone else how to play their game right like just let them play it and have a good time and for god's sake let let me have some extra armor so i can just get through this castle i'm stuck on (laughs) because i really want to go and and see what else the game has and uh, that's where i'm at (laughs) that's where i'm at with that
0: I'm in the same. Yeah, 100%. Uh, exactly what you're saying is what I want to see. I wonder if um these people that are so, it's like gatekeeping, right? They're, they're so just beholden to making sure how they experience it, how everyone else does. And they really, you know, just cherish or just protect these things where it's like they only want certain people, I guess, playing them. But I wonder if that increases more the fact that we don't have, we have less people going into like GameStops and big stores where, you see a person buying the game, so they they walk up and they have Elden Ring in their hand so you can be there because you have nothing to do with your life and be like, oh, you shouldn't, or how are you playing this? Like, hey, let me see, like, what have you played before? Because they're not able to do that, now they're just like going yeah, online yeah. and controlling the conversation there.
1: I mean, who knows, right? And I, I think Elden Ring actually might help this conversation out because, I mean, I'm the Twitch numbers and like the viewership and the sales numbers are just astronomically huge compared to the other Souls games, right? And so for that reason, I'm sure there's tons of people that have bought this that are not quite sure what they're getting into and they're gonna realize like man this is this is hard like we need to have a different mode like i I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of people online who are kind of new to the series that do complain about it being really hard and and why why are not you know options like this if they're coming from a different open world game and they just happen to to come across this because of the popularity so i wonder if it's going to kind of change the conversation um (laughs) or if it's just going to cause argument online like everything else i mean (laughs) i can't be too optimistic right
0: yeah, it will. Everything will cause an argument. But uh, to to leave this this actual topic uh, alone, one my, my last thing I think of is you mentioned these sliders that can be done. Um, there's a game that did that, and I love this game. It's called Control. Um, they yeah, the original yeah. Control came out, and I thought it was it was pretty challenging. Somewhat sometimes it was annoying how challenging it was, but it was I hard. got through it. Uh, right, exactly. So I, I, I played. You know, I was able to finish it. Love that game. But then a couple months later, they put out, which I think is one of the dopest. You know, um, modifications you can do, where you could adjust exactly what you're saying. Your the actual attacks, the 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 amount of attacks you can put out, how how fast your gun recharges. Um, mm-hmm. You can even do it if you're nuts. You can make it to where um, more enemies do more damage to you. You have free range, so you can craft right. a harder experience if you want. And it, I didn't see. Anybody complain about that? It's like and it worked and it was just a great way to do it. So it's already been done. They they proved that remedy. It's like I want that in every game.
1: Yeah, no, me too. I think I think it's technically like it's I think it's a Souls thing, right? Overall like there's there's a whole a lot of games come into the difficulty conversation, but I think there's something unique to the Souls experience that is so intrinsic yeah. um that really is like more than just this conversation, I guess, but I mean, I bet that within a few games that they release that they will include at least some kind of options like this I think their hands gonna be forced at some point but who's to say I mean people love this game just without it so so uh there's no guarantees. It's
0: true. yeah it's very interesting and really as you start talking about this topic more it kind of delves more into like the psychology of what people want and what is a challenge and how does your challenge affect someone else's experience it's very interesting but yeah it's a, you can get into the weeds easily yeah. with this whole thing you can do a and whole nother podcast on that that's for sure yeah for sure but I'm glad that you're jumping in and you're're you're, you're actually having fun and it's and, good. Um, Nice. Uh it's on my list as we said before, so we'll we'll see if we if I get yeah, to it. We'll
1: see how long I stick with it. That's that's going to be the challenge, but but I'm I'm good for now.
0: That's cool. And as you mentioned how long you'll stick with it, I keep seeing on Twitter like uh, there's people who are like, "Oh, I'm 80 hours in and I just found a new spot that completely unlocks." It's like, "How big is this game?" It seems like it's massive.
1: I think it's pretty big, honestly. And I mean, I think the map there's there's a couple times when it kind of gets bigger a little bit. Like I don't want to mm-hmm. really spoil anything, but I think it's it's a combination of like it's a big map, but it's also just so dense and there's inside every, you know, a lot of the bigger buildings, they're like whole dungeons of their own. So they're it's, I mean, you could be at loss for, I'm sure over a hundred hours easy if you're, if you're, uh, unless you're like one hit killing everything and you're really, really good, but I don't think anyone's quite, quite there yet.
0: No, no. I mean, we say that, but cut to, you know, two weeks from now, people are going to be playing this with like a guitar hero controller, right, no hit of kills. Course. And they, it's just, it's inevitable. People just master everything. Oh
1: man, those those videos always are like, I, I'm so in awe of seeing people that do that. Like I saw one guy, like the, um, there's a guy that plays on like the guitar, yeah, Street Fighter. He plays on like the dance pad and like, I mean, anything you can think of, right? It's just, it's just crazy.
0: <laughs> anything that's crazy. super hard to do, he'll, yeah, he'll master. it's just nuts. Yikes. Well... James, we'll transfer or transition over to this next one here. We got uh, some PSVR 2 news. This was, you know, about a week and a half old now, but I want to get your takes on. We're getting more news rolling out for PSVR 2. It seems like a fall release is going to happen if, you know, maybe COVID throws more wrenches into the system. But how do you feel about at least seeing this headset? We haven't seen the headset for a while. We got the controllers a couple months ago. We got this headset. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it... It looks good. I mean, it's it's a VR headset, right? You're gonna look kind of like a dork no matter what it looks like. Yeah. You're, it's never gonna be a fashionable uh, <laughs> fashionable thing to wear. I love how in the in the blog post on the PS blog they say it's like a a good looking piece of technology to wear and to have in your living room or something, as if it's gonna be like some some kind of decoration. But yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. It, it's a nice looking headset. I I like the the form factor. Looks like it fits with. You know, with the PS5, the console and the controllers and everything, like I think it it looks nice. Um, I I I think the tech inside seems to be a pretty big upgrade. I mean, I don't really understand specs and all these numbers and all this stuff but it looks impressive i like the way that they they i think they said they have like an adjustable lens on the inside so if your mm. your head doesn't fit quite right you can you can kind of still have a good experience instead of having to kind of adjust the whole headset so that's super nice um i mean the thing everyone comes back to is the cord right like it's it's too bad it still has the wire i think is the the number one thing but got to roll with the punches right like it's it's the nature of this tech and and i'm sure the price is going to be way higher if it was to be wireless so so we can take it like it is and i think the upgrades like the haptics inside also seem really really cool like they i think they were saying you can feel arrows go by your head and i'm, I'm just kind of like the one on one hand is like do i really want to feel you know like gunfire going right past my face <laughs> right. But on the other hand that's pretty cool and so if it's anything like on, in the dual sense i'm i'm really stoked to try this out
0: yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, although I didn't, I never bought the uh, original PSVR. That kind of just, you know, passed me by. And I eventually jumped into VR with the Oculus and an Oculus 2. And I've been having a blast playing those. And I find it interesting, The it's just a different landscape now with PSVR 2 launching with actual competition for like, a, you know, something that is on the cheaper end of this, this consumer end, you know, VR unit. So I wonder how Sony's kind of going to start to compete and what they're what their um, route is going to be because you have Oculus that's way cheaper and can still um, handle playing these games. Like you look at RE4 VR, um, runs really great. It adds mm-hmm. a port of an mm-hmm. older game, but there's a lot of these experiences that look dope. And this is a you know $300 unit. It's wireless and you don't need a thing to, to play with. It doesn't need to talk to a PC or a, or a console. So I just... I'm curious what your take, what you think Sony's going to try and craft this as like its own kind of lane almost.
1: Yeah. I mean, my sense of it is kind of like Sony is wanting to, I mean, I don't think the the PC market is a huge competition yet because not everyone who has the PlayStation is going to have a gaming PC, right? Like I think, I guess the the one you're saying you don't need the PC is a bit of a different beast. I, I, that sounds like an amazing headset. I've I've yet to try anything really like that. Um, I think that Sony's major selling point though is like, again, it's going to be the software, right? Like they've announced the the Horizon VR game and I'm sure that that means there's going to be a lot of other um, of their popular franchises coming to the VR headset. And I think that's the one thing that was kind of missing from the first unit. And so, I think that's going to be the selling point. And again, it's like kind of that PlayStation ecosystem, right? And, I've, and this generation, it seems like they're really leaning into like the Apple thing of like, you want to have the PlayStation this, you want to have the the console and like our controller that's special and our headset. And I think a lot of people are like, will buy into that. Um, but as far as the headset itself, I mean, it it does make more sense to get a lot of these PC ones that are, you know, I guess, better technology or the wireless is a huge, a huge selling point. But I, I think that the PlayStation brand will carry it just being sort of attached to that. And then also the fact that a lot of those headsets do require a gaming PC and those are very expensive. And so the, the PS5, I guess, is still cheaper than that. Although buying that plus the VR headset, I'm sure is like expensive too. Um It's going to be interesting though. I, I hope it does well because... Um, it just seems like a nice entry point, right? For for people that are new to VR. Um, at least that's my sense of it. Like it's kind of the plug and play nature of the console. You don't have to really set too much up. Um, that's what I'm looking for, at least.
0: And you touch on a good point where I think the strength is that first party lineup, if they're going to actually, you know, or at least contract out and have have a devs work on their properties. I mean, we got a little bit of that with uh, PlayStation, the original PSVR, but they're already going hard with. Uh, we have Call of the Mountain from Firesprite and Gorilla's mm-hmm, working on it as mm-hmm. well. If they can lean harder into that, where it's like, yeah, you can get a cheaper VR unit that um, you know is wireless, but this thing, if you want to play these exclusive experiences, you know, if you want that first party kind of a coat of paint that Sony's known for, then you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a PSVR too. But I'm just hoping that they really do lean on that, and it's not just like we get Call of the Mountain and then just other third party stuff, and then you know PSVR dies or something at some point. But I, I want them to lean harder into that.
1: That would be the worry, right? And that's what I want to... I, I actually never got a PSVR, uh, the first one. Um, I mean, we we started the show a couple of years ago and I, I would have had one, you know, if we were doing the show at the time, I probably would have got one. But at that point, I was like, I'll just wait for the second unit. Hopefully it's wireless. Um, move on from there. It's not wireless, um, <laughs> but I'll get it anyway. Um, yeah, it's it's just, uh, I think the, the brand is what'll take it though. And like I said, with that Horizon game, I mean, how, they'd be foolish not to do a God of War you know v r game and Astrobot i'm sure was will get more after being so successful the first time around um I'm glad that they're gonna have the um p s v r one games accessible on there as well too um which is super nice because I think a lot of people will who didn't get p s v r one might You know want to check those out as like a backlog when before all these newer games start coming out for the ps5 and like the you know whatever's next after horizon on on the psvr um the other thing too is i wonder if there's a realm where as sony's been putting a lot of stuff on the computer i wonder if eventually does the psvr connect to your computer as well and play vr sony games from from there because that would just solve the whole problem of competition in a way too
0: yeah, that's one thing. It's it's very curious because a couple of years ago, that wouldn't really be an option, but we've seen them, like you said, port a lot of these games to PC. They're really interested in that space now. There's a lot of money to be made. If this thing could communicate with your... PC like so so there's the Oculus that also works with the PC and there's other things that need an actual PC to work uh, VR wise but that Oculus you can have wirelessly it can talk to your uh, Steam library it can play those games both wired and wireless if the PSVR two can at least work there where I can play you know Half Life Alex or something on my PSVR two um, that that would then bridge the gap and you have these PC consumers that do want to, you know, try and get something like that, that is maybe still cheaper than like a valve index, which is top of the line. Um, There's a lot of potential there, but it's a matter of, is Sony finally, you know, more comfortable working across the board and because of the money that could be made and money talks that they would, you know, accept PC a bit more and they're starting to
1: seems like it seems like a pipe dream to be able to play like anything VR on their hand on the computer. Hey, but I mean, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if like near the end of the the PS5 life cycle, whatever that is, or, you know, partway into this that like they're, you know, PlayStation VR games coming to Steam just like the rest of them have so I mean it would be cool and, and it's like we were, we were saying before too about the accessibility is like why do you not want people to play your games in as many places as they can it it just doesn't make any sense sell them to everyone play everywhere <laughs> do your thing you know like why why lock people down onto uh just one place
0: I agree 100% I think these uh you know big console makers are starting to realize that Xbox is ahead of the game but I think yeah. they're all across the board and Nintendo has no idea what the hell's going on but uh, <laughs> well they're their own with... thing they're, they yeah. do their own thing They're like, oh, we have Labo. They're like, yeah, we have a
1: cardboard headset you can put on your head. And it's actually cooler than you'd think.
0: (laughs) Right, and I'm sure it is. It looks, it's a cool little piece of technology. I'm glad that they are weird and wacky enough to make something like that. But as far as like this competition, it's really with, you know, Xbox, with Sony, at least with them deciding to work across the board and realize, oh, we can make more money if these things are easily purchasable and can work on multiple outlets. It's not just on our ecosystem.
1: Yeah, right. And And that's just the thing, right? So I hope that, I hope that the games coming to PC from Sony's end is, is indicator of that. Um, It just makes sense. Right. But who, who knows? Like if they're, if they're kind of, you know, they've been so resistant to cross play and other things like that in in the past. And it seems like on one hand, as as appealing as it would be to have those available on the PC, just the same way at the same time, it's like, it is Sony. Are they just going to keep it sort of to themselves and, and be really digging their heels in on that? I hope not. But uh, I mean, that's, that's what it seems like it would be to me if I had to guess right now.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and I'm uh, very curious to see what's going to go on. I I feel like this year, they are leaning towards we're going to get uh, an actual you know price and release date. Seems like it's been um, consistent with these uh, news rollouts. So I'm hoping that we're going to get something maybe this summer and then fall. Bam, you get a PSVR2 in your house. Uh, here's hoping.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean I I would expect we'd see some more around E three time, right? That would that would make the most sense. Especially since they showed the whole picture of the unit now too. It may, it doesn't make sense they'd be they'd be quiet on that. And then I think a lot of a lot of places online are saying, Yeah, this fall or maybe even slightly before that, I guess. So let's let's hope so. I gotta get on those pre orders the second it uh it gets announced though, that's for sure.
0: I don't know if you were able to sign up, but they did have, so Sony put out a, um, it's just like a stock website about the PSVR, but then you at the very bottom right. you can sign up for an email update and it does say if you want to be first to pre-order, and I did that of course, I'm not sure if that's really yeah, where they're yeah. going to start rolling them out, but yeah. Well, that's what they also, did for the
1: PS5, so I mean, I right. guess a similar system, who knows if it'll work as well. I,
0: I would assume there's going
1: to be a lot less people jumping on this right away than the the console, so I'm sure it'll be it'll be a lot more successful. <laughs>
0: right yeah and that's actually how i got my ps5 i was i was in that email rollout and i was able to get one and it was dope
1: yeah it, it, <laughs> for you and for you and i it was for many other people they're uh still cursing that day
0: yeah they even sent me there was another rollout and they sent me another email it's like hey you want another one it's like I, I, really I get, find oh, other people VIP. that don't have one yet
1: it's, it's the podcast fame man this uh <laughs> this guy's got a good show over here we got to get him a second console <laughs> i guess so
0: they wanted me to pay for it though but it's like okay i guess i'll buy another one i don't know but I didn't a, at the in the end.
1: Yeah, well, you know, one's enough. One's enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they're also so weird and obtuse. It's like, where am I gonna oh, I sit on it? What do a, I do? It's a
1: that? headache, dude. I I gotta rearrange my whole setup over there in a, in a few days just to get it to fit properly. I'll tell you what.
0: Yeah, it's uh, they definitely went with the choice, and uh, <laughs> we we are stuck with it. But uh, transitioning on more PlayStation news, we got and actually today the review embargo lifted for uh, GT Seven, Grand of Seven. So it's getting really high critical acclaim. We got an 88 Metacritic. Uh, VG247.com gave it 100. iGen gives it a 90. Push Square gives it a 90. Are you on the hype train for GT7? Where do you lie on these uh, really realistic uh, driving games?
1: Uh, You know, as the the PlayStation podcast host that I am, I've come on the show today and I admitted to you that I did not play Horizon. And I'm going to again admit to you that I am not playing Gran Turismo 7, Um, although that might be a little bit less surprising. Uh, Those games are super niche for that that one kind of audience right Um, not to say that it doesn't look super cool and especially seeing these reviews and watching the state of play a couple weeks ago I was pretty impressed by by the game and like the way it looks those those realistic driving sims always have just the most insane graphics and they they look wonderful so um, yeah I mean going through the reviews today I'm I think what's blown me away the most and what makes me the most happy is um, just the emphasis on the single player content that they've put in there and I know there's some talk about like it kind of progresses slowly at the start and all that stuff. But as I've been playing some Forza on Game Pass and I've, I've really enjoyed it. And it they super, they shove all the kind of social stuff really in your face. There's like the social hub, there's other drivers going around. There's like the Drivatars and all that stuff. And I think where Gran Turismo is is going to succeed a lot is in that single player and just all the different missions. It just seems like there's a lot to do. And it kind of has that old school pre-online sort of feel to what they want you to do uh, with the campaign, and so I, I hope that that's kind of what people are looking for, um, because I would love to see this game have a lot of success. And and if the reviews are any indication, I mean, I guess it's going to. But then at the same time, it's like, how well do these racing games really do? I think Gran Turismo is one of the ones that that could actually do pretty well, but within the context of being, you know, a driving sim, right?
0: Yeah, it's weird. Where we're talking about Elden Ring, I feel like. The This is the game that Elden Ring players use to just like cool out as this crazy, incredibly realistic racing sim. <laughs> and uh, I'm in the same boat you were talking about. It's like, I respect Gran Turismo, but it's just, it's too, you know, fine tuned where it's like everything is customizable and realistic and you have to change your tire pressure and get tabs on your license. It's like, I don't want any of that. I like Forza, how approachable it is. You can jump in, especially the last one was really fun to just get in and yeah, play right. and drive anywhere. I just, I'd lean more that direction.
1: Yeah. And as someone that's not a, like a huge car enthusiast, I don't really want to get into the weeds of like, you know, tuning my pistons and doing all that, whatever you do with your car type of right. stuff. Like I don't really get it, you know? So it's, it's not like I really want to do that. Um, I think I think what's interesting about this game and what I'm most interested to see the feedback on is the whole, they really seem to be honest. the history of cars right and and like telling you all about oh this is the history of the mustang and it was invented in such and such place and you know all this all these details and it's it's cool because on one hand for for people who are new to the game they might get something out of that and and you know learn about these cars i don't know how how much appealing that really is to me but it it seems like they have a lot there but at the same time i'm thinking about it and it's like a lot of the people who are going to buy this are going to be car enthusiasts right people that already know a lot of this information. So are they just going to be like buttoning through the history of like Henry Ford and all this stuff, you know, like, it it seems like kind of a weird choice. Um, Cool that they have it though. I I will say like, I I just don't know how appealing that is. You know, people skip cutscenes in games all the time. Are you really going to listen to about the 2016, you know, Dodge Viper or something? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) But, but yeah, it seems like content. There's a lot of content at least. I just don't know uh, if all of it's a hit, I guess.
0: No, that's a fair point because it is a weird spot where are they appealing to these car enthusiasts who are arguably just going to, you know, collect cars, drive cars, and maybe they're not playing this. It's there, Maybe there's just fans that really love to soak into this kind of stuff and have these in-depth options to, you know, in their driving sims and really like these hardcore driving sims. But are they the ones who also want to read into the history? I don't know, but it seems like at least they, I respect that it's there, you know, at least they're trying to pay homage to just how, you know, deep the history goes And it also kind of just represents how seriously they take the series in general, where they go into the, you know, absolute finest minutiae on these, on these, um, different, uh, companies are making cars, different cars themselves. I like that That's there, but it's for me, it's like, man, I don't want that at all. But I dig that at least uh, what other kind of game is paying such an homage to the history of something it's based on to have like a full blown little museum where you can walk around and learn all this stuff
1: exactly yeah i mean the only other example would be like super smash bros right like the museum of nintendo <laughs> with all the trophies and all the, the oh, okay. information in there i guess that's what i would say but you're right there is really isn't anything like that and even just playing forza recently i mean there's a lot of cars in there too but it doesn't have that historical kind of collect-a-thon i, I was reading one review i think it might have been the verge earlier today on on gran turismo and they were almost likening it to like pokemon and having to collect you know all the different types of civic or all the different types of whatever car it is and I, There's something cool to that. And I could see myself, if I was that type of person, really getting into that type of thing, especially if you have to earn them by, um, you know, completing races and stuff, as opposed to just sort of buying them from a store. Although I know there is like microtransaction stuff in in GTA as well. So I don't know if I love that. Um, I mean, it's fine as an option, I guess, but I hope there's no predatory type of stuff going on. And um, you always got to wonder, right?
0: yeah same and it's um i guess uh, we'll see more reception you know once this game comes out over the week or two if from consumers if people are like hey that's it's you know charging me to Whatever you know, swap out my tires. It's like I have to pay money. To oh do that. man, to I cake. hope it's not that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's paid win don't type of
1: stuff. the The one thing I did see apparently was there's like limited time cars for sale in the store, and then they cost a certain amount of money, right? And you can earn it in the game, but I guess if it's you know only on sale for a weekend, do you have time to save up your in game currency, or do you feel like pressure to buy? So I guess there's that going on, but. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people who are gonna be in there looking at that store, they might be willing to spend a few bucks anyway, right? People are oftentimes these days okay with spending a few bucks if there's something they really care about. So, you know, if you're a car guy, if you're a car girl, whoever you are, um, favorite cars in the store, why not spend an extra ten bucks? You already spent like ninety bucks on the game <laughs> at that point, you know, like just get your right. experience.
0: Yeah, I wish I was more into cars. And I just at the heart of it is I'm just not I like, you know, driving them in kind of a arcadey scenario, but I just don't care about cars enough. and I, I really wish I did because it's I love kind of uh, just the machinery and digging into something. I love collecting hobbies. It's like that would just be another hobby. And I guess what makes me somewhat interested is i've uh, I've repaired cars that I own over the years, like my Honda Accord. I have a Honda Accord 05 that is running great still, and it's uh, super old, and I just change the oil. Any, like, random thing that pops up, I'll look it up on YouTube. Thankfully, there's a YouTube video, so I can fix it myself. But God so that has, you, has, man. Thank you, right. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'll never be one of those people that are recording me changing an oil or whatever, but I love that it's there because now I have that information, and because of that kind of stuff, I do kind of find myself more interested in just, like, respecting the machinery and the engineering that goes into play, but it doesn't transcend into learning about cars or remembering <clears throat> different models and the history i just I, it kind of passes me by
1: yeah same here and uh one thing apologies if you heard my uh my upstairs neighbors there with the footsteps but yeah i'm i'm with you completely and as far as driving games go like if i'm sinking my teeth into one usually it, it hasn't really been since like burnout paradise that i've really gotten into a driving game and burnout is like my jam burnout takedown burnout revenge like those mm. are my driving games man those are those are the ones that and mario kart like who can be mario kart but that's a totally different beast than uh than this although like i said i have been enjoying forza and that's a surprise to me i i think it's just you're constantly unlocking stuff right so many experience points all the time for everything you're doing you just feel like feel good playing that game which is why i think i've stuck for a few more hours than i normally would with some other card games
0: uh same with forza the the last one really hooked me in and i'm just not a big racing fan but um something about you have the open world you can drive anywhere a lot of the different little challenges you're constantly unlocking different cars and you can upgrade them fully if you want to you can dig into that i just really loved what they do um with uh, with the forza series and um just having a had a blast playing it i kind of dropped it off i think once the halo infinite multiplayer uh, release because i was like the week after yeah i just yeah. left that behind and went fully into forza but or a uh, halo but there's a time where i was just like obsessed with that newer newer forza Man,
1: yeah. I uh, had a similar experience. I played Forza after Halo, but I mean, it wait, I, I kind of waited until the Halo hype died down to start checking out Forza. So it's just the opposite uh, little mm. flip for me. But man, yeah, Halo. Not to go down that rabbit hole, but that's a great game. At least the multiplayer side. Really enjoyed it.
0: Same. And I, I love the campaign, too. I th- I had a blast uh, with it as well. Um, I thought the story was cool. I know there's a lot of critique on the story, but I I just find myself I love that world, and so I was just happy to be back in there, and it's kind of the same, almost like a spiritual reboot with the story beats and the stuff that happens in the story with that first one. I just loved everything about, um, I didn't like the multiplayer stuff early on with the progression system, but they did oh, yeah, kudos yeah. to 343 for tweaking that pretty quickly along the way.
1: Yeah, they, they did a pretty good job. And, and the campaign, I think I played the first few hours, got pretty into it. Um, then the open world kind of got there and I was like, you know what? a little bit much for me i'm gonna back out judging Hmm. by uh you know the size of it i think what might do it for me though when i come back is when they finally let us do it uh co-op because that was something that was really missing before and i mean i don't think i've ever really played a halo campaign by myself it's always been you know that couch co-op or at least um i don't know if you can even do online in some of the other ones i'm sure you can but regardless it's a it's a co-op campaign for me so maybe i'll check it out then but we'll see we'll see I'll, i'll probably mainline that one you know there's there's a lot of little points on that map that's a little bit much
0: we'll transition here. So, you know, I had one topic uh, to bring up as well. So, uh, and I wrote it down like an idiot, but many first party PlayStation games were cross-gen this year, yet still receive strong review scores. So you have fours or not fours, you have Horizon, you have um, whatever, You know, Miles Morales was one of the cross-gen yeah, games. Yeah, Sackboy. Sackboy, there you go. And so people were, and I was kind of in the boat where I was a bit more grumpy about it because I, I think, okay, PS5, I want to see the full potential unlocked. But then these games arrive, And they're incredibly dope and I don't see any reason to like doubt them anymore. But how do you feel about some of these games out this first year now into the next year, a PS five being cross-gen, do you have any issues with that anymore?
1: Um, I, I don't think I've ever really had an issue with it, honestly. I mean, I it's it's kind of like what we've been saying this whole show. The kind of the theme is like, let us play where we want, right? And if, if the game can run on the PS4, like if Miles Morales runs fine on there, then why not have it on there? I mean, actually, my my friend Mike, I brought up earlier playing Elden Ring. He's actually playing on PS4 right now because his, he doesn't have a PS5 or like his PC, I guess, doesn't run it. And so the fact that he's, I mean, he's a huge Souls fan. He's able to still buy that on the PS4 um sure it's not the best version it probably doesn't run well in a lot of cases but at least it's there um so i think that's fine i I think there is a little bit of concern as we move on like you know is the development on the ps4 holding back what they could be doing on the ps5 and i don't know like i I guess i wouldn't i would want to learn more about the development side before i really make a judgment on that because it's like i I feel like we it's easy to assume you know, oh, some of the budget's being taken away, but these games make so much money anyway, and I think that after the whole cyberpunk debacle and all all that kind of stuff that hopefully they're learning like you know if this better work at least decently out of the box so i I think it's a good thing i I don't know how long it's gonna continue and i and I think a lot of it's because of the pandemic, right, and the fact that the yeah. you know the chip shortages can't get the p s fives everyone everyone knows about this by this point, but I think that just having that less that lower number of PS5s out there is incentivizing to continue the PS4 versions, right? But yeah, I'm with you. I don't think the PS5 versions have really suffered. Maybe they, I mean, what are they slightly slower to release patches because they're working on two versions at once? Sure. But I can put up with that. If it means that, you know, several hundred thousand more people are going to get to play the game. That's, that's fine with me.
0: Yeah. I've changed gears. I've changed that tune. Um, I think it was around when miles released because we're still kind of, we're in the weeds we didn't know we knew that these games were coming that are going to be cross-gen but we just didn't know what to expect and then you have miles um, look great on ps4 and then also that ps5 version seems premium it feels like you're getting this next-gen version there's ray tracing in there different frame rate modes same thing with horizon where you have this game that doesn't it doesn't make sense to me how this game runs the way it does it looks beautiful on ps5 but it still runs great on ps4 so i'm i'm, I'm cool with it now but i think you're right where as we get uh, further in after this, this second year, I think it's going to get a little weird. Can these, can these developers still squeeze all the juice out of the PS4 and still have a competent PS5 version? I don't know. I'm a little hesitant, I guess, still, even though I say that on that God of War Ragnarok that's coming down the line. Oh but yeah. It's done. I know they're going to kill. I know it's going to be great, but I just, there's still a little part of me, but after that, I think we should kind of transition into PS5. Hopefully.
1: I think, I think you're probably right. And I think it's going to come down to also that a lot of these games, I mean, they must have been developed for both systems at, at the same time, right? Like they just must have been because they're way too big and take way too long to, to not have been, that not have been the case. But I mean, I would imagine now, whatever the next projects are, are, are probably going to be full steam ahead just for the PS5, unless it seems like the kind of thing where it's coming out soon enough, where they're unsure about the stock and like being able to have enough out or, or or maybe it's just, maybe we're wrong and it's just easy enough to make those two versions at once. Like maybe the, the tech is just similar enough to where it's really not that much effort. And it's, it's worth the time. I, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's the kind of thing that I would personally be really, really interested to learn about. But um, I mean, yeah, I, my opinion would just be keep them on there as long until, until the games are like not able to run anymore, because there's going to be a point to which it just won't work. Right. Like I'm, I'm actually pretty surprised just playing Elden Ring and how, expansive that game is like that it does run on the ps4 well enough considering like cyberpunk didn't and i i mean i know they're very different and and all that but it, there's going to be more cyberpunks eventually i think that come out and and are overconfident in their their ps4 xbox one kind of version and once that happens a couple more times i feel like it'll be kind of a pr nightmare that companies want to avoid and then they'll stop kind of trying to trying to hold on to the ps4 any longer
0: yeah, it's interesting as you bring that up, and it's something we as we talk crap about Nintendo. Somehow they're able to still squeeze juice out of the Switch. We'll get these ports that have no business running on Switch. Like I think they got, um, oh god, what's that? Multiple say, L- people. Uh, they
1: just got No Man's Sky on there in the last direct, and that I mean, that was something people were like, "How the hell is that running on there?"
0: And it's still happening. So it's like there, as we're complaining about, oh, can they you know can, are these games going to suffer because PS4 version Switch is running? I don't know how old school architecture on that. It's like a mobile chip. And it's still able to do it, so maybe we're just complaining about nothing.
1: Well, right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not a huge graphics guy to, at the end of the day, anyway. Like, do I love beautiful games? Sure. But if if something has to be like downgraded visually to run nicely and it can still work on the PS4, like to me, that's fine. It's it's when it yep. starts to chug and and you know, glitch out and, and have all these severe problems where it's like, that's probably not the best idea anymore. So it just depends how they want to optimize it, I guess. But yeah, the Switch, I mean, some of those some of those ports aren't so are are like very impressive considering a lot of the time you hear like the switch version is not great, you know, like, like avoid this at all costs, but then occasionally there's one that just knocks it out of the park. And, uh, you're like, this is some kind of wizardry or something, right?
0: It's nuts. And kudos to those devs who are able to, and I wonder if they, they like something about in the creative process where it's like, we're super limited. So what can we do to make this worth? Where it's, it's like, uh, uh, limitations breed, you know, um, creativity or whatever the actual saying is. But it seems like it's full-blown that with the Switch where they're so limited, but they're able to create these different lanes and new ways to approach the problem to get it to run there in the first place.
1: Yeah, I think that's just Nintendo in general, right? Like, they are... The, I think that Nintendo's the king of like this is our system we make the games for it and we can use the tech the best like there's nothing that comes out on Switch that I can think of that ever looks better than than what Nintendo makes I mean one of the one of my favorites to look at is just uh, like the Xenoblade series and mm-hmm. and like those those open worlds like I, I haven't even really played the game to be honest <laughs> but I've I've went and watched so many videos on it just because of, of what you're saying of like how is this on the Switch and uh, I mean comparing it to some of the other stuff that comes out on there it's like night and day difference like you'd think it's a different console
0: yeah it's just a, a testament to um how they understand their architecture so much or even um uh, mario odyssey it still looks yeah amazing right. to me and it's just and they really understand their art style with that one but it just looks so awesome man even
1: even mario kart 8 deluxe which is mm. an upgraded
0: wii u game still looks yeah. good
1: you know and <laughs> that, that still looks great
0: yeah. It's, uh, they're, they're, like you said, they're wizards over there. So it's just, it's funny how, as we, as we get into the weeds of, you know, different nerds complaining about these next gen versions, blah, blah, blah. The, the, with Nintendo and the switch, they're just completely different direction and they're still able to crank out, uh, these, you know, top notch looking games.
1: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward towards the switch pro whenever that comes out. I'm, I'm definitely on the train for wanting that and and wanting some more power behind it. But I mean, I haven't really bought anything on there that That's given me a lot of problems.
0: Yeah, same. Um, My Switch doesn't get a lot of use, but I'll jump in every once in a while. And I know Arceus, or or however you pronounce that, Pokemon Arceus, just came out a little while ago. People love it. That's one where I do want to jump into. I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, but the open world thing, you had me at open world, so I got to try it.
1: Yeah, I picked up my Switch a couple. Well, when that came out was the first time I picked my Switch up for quite a while. And I uh, actually have Drift going on, so I got to send my Joy-Cons away. But uh. I had to get through Pokemon first. And that now that that's done, I, I got to ship them off. But um, yeah, that was that was a, I mean, that's one of the ones I was talking about, actually. When I, mean, I I liked Arceus a lot, but when you compare like the graphical style of it compared to some of the other stuff that runs on Switch, you're like, how the hell is, is this the standard? You know, like it's, yeah. it's such a variation.
0: Yeah, it's nuts. Do you have uh, thoughts on... It was over the weekend. It was a weird drop, but you have that new edition of Pokemon. I forget what it's called. But oh, it's,
1: yeah. Violet and Scarlet.
0: Gotcha. There you go. And it's dropping this later this year somehow. And do you know... I'm not you know, too in tune with Nintendo stuff, so do you know much about it? Are they... Is this a full-blown different experience or like another kind of reskin of that Arceus one?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a pretty big Pokemon fan, actually. So, um, from what I've gathered on it, I think it was it's not the same idea as Arceus. I think it's more similar to the regular ones in terms of like you go through the gyms and and that sort of system. But I think it's going to be um, kind of more that open world style of Arceus on top of it. And so, I mean, it, it, it's hard to say, right? We haven't really got any information aside from that yeah. trailer, but I know it's a new gen, like it's gen nine. It's going to be, um, I'm assuming some new Pokemon and stuff. Like we saw those starters and Pokemon. I, I mean, it's such a big, property right it's like the most profitable thing ever and there's just i I mean a lot of people are like it's so surprising to see another game after arceus and, and and it is but then at the same time it's like well they've got you know anime to make they got manga to make trading cards like this thing has to come out on a schedule because it's all just tied together in this gigantic web of marketing so um i i don't know i wish pokemon would slow down honestly and and uh Work a little harder on each version, make it real special, but that's that's a different uh, different argument because that's not going to happen
0: anytime soon. Gotcha. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I I saw that drop and I was like, okay, I don't know enough yeah. about this last one that came out, but there's another one coming out. Yeah, this surprising. holiday, and it looks surprising. like it's still and it's not DLC. It's like a a you know experience. So I found that pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, well, they they haven't done a mainline one since Sword and Shield, and I think that was 2019, right? Or 20, feel, 2020 like maybe. Like it was it was a while ago, so they're they're due. It just it's just kind of surprising we've had these these couple other ones in between with the Diamond and Pearl remake and, and Arceus. So we're just getting uh, endless Pokemon over here. It's like uh, Call of Duty and Pokemon, the the things that never stop.
0: Although even Call of Duty, they're finally yeah. you know taking a break now. So we'll see if I never thought Nintendo... I'd see the day,
1: man. Never thought I'd see it.
0: Right, right, and it's uh when you see that stuff, it's it's always gonna be good news. Like, look at Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed. It's like it seems like unless they completely drop the ball, taking that time always breeds a better experience when they do finally release something. So I'm hoping more studios and publishers able to follow suit.
1: I'm so with you, and I, and I with Pokemon especially. Like I I really don't understand. Like they have so many spinoffs that the the Pokemon community would just love. Like they released that uh, Pokemon Snap last year and people just went crazy for it because it's nostalgic and it's pokemon and it's it's what a lot of fans want right so i don't i don't see why they wouldn't just listen to that feedback and 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 like okay we're taking a year off the regular mainline games let's release like a pokemon stadium remake just because people love that and then we'll actually take a whole extra year and polish this next gen 9 whatever it is up to be super different and unique and i mean i say i don't see why and the, the reason is because it makes a lot of money every year and it sells like a billion copies and you know yeah. that's the reason but i think that's what fans would really want is the that kind of take your extra time make something really cool and and change it up uh in the way that we want because they're all, they're so iterative right it's uh it's just the kind of the way it is and it's, it's the way pokemon's gonna stay
0: yeah it's interesting and um yeah I'm i'm curious for that next uh next release but um I don't I just don't know much about uh Pokemon yeah. but
1: and you know if you're not in at this point you're it's it's hard to get there I think it's one of those things that's just you're either ingrained in there or you're kind, you're kind of out right it's intimidating to start something that's so big when you're when you're not really in there
0: that's a the thing I think they have more of a of a connection with me anything that's more retro that are those original release of Pokemon that's what I grew up with so that's what I recognize so stuff that leans that direction cool I'm in but as they get more into the you know they have to continue. They have so many different Pokemon now, and it's I get it. That's people love that, but because I've been disconnected for so long, I'm more interested in, interested in them doing that kind of stuff. That piques my interest versus the newer stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can see. I, I mean, I've I like I I trend towards liking the older stuff more more so too with Pokemon. I mean, I grew up coming home and watching Ash, Ash on TV every day after school. Right, yep. like that was that's the dream. Uh, to have his life but I mean yeah I, I followed through all the gens and I think the the newer ones have been more misses than hits and you kind of see some of the cracks of like the same formula the longer it goes ah. on but at the same time I still play pretty much all of them you know it's it's just one of those franchises that just holds that place right in here and you, yeah. you gotta you gotta continue playing it you know it's just it is what it is and I I know I'm probably not going to get the best most polished rpg every time but it is what it is it's pokemon <laughs> and that's the yeah. price of of being a fan
0: I hear you. I hear you. All right, James, we'll end on this last one here. So some thoughts on PlayStation upcoming ex- exclusive for 2022. So I already have uh, uh, just a, a bunch of bangers out of the gate with 2022. You have Horizon. We have GT7. Seafood was huge. Um, so looking forward, with what at least what's planned, we have for Spoken coming out from Square Enix May 2022. It's not first party, but it's a timed forever long exclusive to PlayStation. Um, how do you feel about this game? Have you been following? Are you interested at all?
1: Yeah, Forspoken is an interesting one for me. I'm I'm pretty interested in it, to be honest with you. I think that the what's got me really into it is the the setting on it. Actually, like I I love the concept of it, kind of being an old school kind of world, like that fantasy type of setting, but the character is from the modern the modern day. Like I think I think that's a really fascinating setup. And one thing that that kind of I'm a little bit tired of as someone that likes a lot of RPGs is it's, it's always like that medieval kind of fantasy sort of knights and dragons mm. and wizards and all that stuff. And at least this is, it's doing something kind of different. And so that's, that's kind of got me in, but I mean, the, the game itself looks great. And I think that um, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to for sure. Like it's, there's so many games coming out in, in this next year or so. Like it's, it's uh, hard to make that list like we talk about, but for spoken, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's looking great. Are, are you interested in, in playing that one too or what?
0: I am as well. And I think if they hit the right timeframe where there's nothing else big around it, then I think I'm easily going to jump in. So that's how really how I caught on to that first Dying Light. If I remember correctly, it was like that first year of the PS4, there wasn't a whole lot coming on or there wasn't th- that it launched with. So there was a somewhat of a drought. I jumped in, love that game. And I'm hoping that I have enough of my backlog finished up where I'm, I'm I'm interested enough where it's like, okay, there's nothing else going on. I'll jump into this. But um from what I can think of, there isn't anything crazy big releasing around the same time. So I am interested. I might buy this day one. The combat looks really cool, um, really stylized. I like that. Like you said, we were saying the that's, you know, modern take on this kind of medieval uh, environments, but the fluid uh, movement animations, the just action heavy side of it, just you know that checks all the boxes for me if you say open world then i'll pre-order right now too it's like it's all the things that i want so it's, it does look really cool i think i'm gonna check it out
1: yeah right it, it i hope it's some somewhat similar to the final fantasy 7 remake i know like they're they're obviously very different but at the same time like i had such a good time with sort of that action focused rpg and and uh you know being from square uh obviously not the same team and everything but I'm hoping for some something similar of that type of quality and, and I think we're going to get it honestly it, it's it's looks good so far. i um, I honestly like uh, interestingly enough though I should say um I just saw online it might have been delayed.
0: Whoa, Apparently there was a little that,
1: post earlier 3 hours is ago. That recently. Mm, it's from I don't know if it's a reliable source maybe we shouldn't go too far down into this but
0: well we could just with a grain of salt but interesting uh, this is breaking uh, yeah. news.
1: Interesting. Well if it happens you heard it here first Plastic Hearts podcast.
0: Yeah. So I just Googled for spoken, I'm not seeing anything crazy it's pop a up at all.
1: Comicbook.com apparently, but that's I don't a, know that's I, a I'll get news source. from there every once in a while. Yeah.
0: You're right. So so it looks like they're the only ones to have it on here, but they are saying that it's been reportedly uh, been delayed. Um, no new dates. Doesn't seem to have a
1: date or anything like that, but yeah. Keep your eyes open though.
0: Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. I wonder if if they were pretty this close to their their what March or May initial release date. I wonder if it's just a couple months down the line. I don't know if it's like full-blown. We need a whole another year. So maybe they're going to shoot for summertime or like holiday November kind of timeframe. Yeah,
1: they, they've been doing that a lot, those little adjustments on, on release dates. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with like they want it to release in a certain proximity to something else, right? Like they don't want to mm. cannibalize their own sales in a way. So I feel like, you know, it it might be that Forspoken needs extra time or maybe it's something that's getting something else getting released that's shuffling the whole schedule around and, you know, you never really know, but... Um, yeah, hopefully it's only a short delay, if anything, because it looks, I mean, it looks to be pretty close to finished, right? You'd have to think, especially coming out later this year. So let's hope it's not like a crisis (laughs) or anything like that over there. If it is delayed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would imagine, yeah, just a couple months down the line too. But, uh, at this point when I hear more delays with stuff, unless it's something I'm incredibly, even if it's stuff that I've been super crunk for to play for the whole year, I just, there's already enough out there where it's like, a couple of months is fine because it's not like we don't have anything else to play, really.
1: Uh, that's it, right? And I mean, at the end of the day, you say it's disappointing if something gets delayed, but you're right. You kind of just, you read the news. You're like, oh, that's too bad. Like, you know, uh, that's that's the whole thing. I read the news. I open it. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I hope the team gets the extra time. Don't have to crunch, you know, like yep. wish them all the best. Take your time. And then you're you're sad for like an hour and then you realize, well, I have, you know, I have 25 other things installed on my console and I haven't beaten half <laughs> of them. So let's get to no. work.
0: <laughs> and that's kind of kind of what it is. The only uh, really big pill that was hard to swallow within the past couple of years was when Last of Us 2 was uh, delayed by a couple months. Well, back then when they initially announced it, right when they're close to launch, there was a new date and they were, we were really in the cusp of COVID stuff. Um, actually shipping or production was going to be hard for getting the game onto disc. And so we didn't have a new date. And man, that one was tough. But even then it was still like, okay, well, we'll figure it out. We'll get there and we will get there. But that was maybe the biggest one uh, for me personally, where it's like, uh, I'm just depressed walking around town now. <laughs> I remember that one because that was the one right where they they delayed it and then they
1: didn't give a date, but the, it ended up not being actually delayed that much. They just kind of yeah. scared you by not saying anything, and then it actually ended up like, oh, that's not that bad. <laughs> so I remember having the yeah. same reaction because I mean, who wasn't excited for Last of Us Two at that time? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was a, that was interesting, but I'm glad it turned out. And I, I feel like that would be the same situation here if it if it's delayed. But we'll we'll probably find out tomorrow, right, when all the big sites get their news. Yeah.
0: I think so for sure by tomorrow we'll at least see that squashed or confirmed tomorrow but so moving on to another game that has been delayed a couple of times we know that we have a set date now apparently so we got Ghostwire Tokyo from Tango Gameworks coming out March 25th 2022 this game we got a pretty big deep dive with State of Play recently where well, they spent a good half hour talking about the game and the most amount of info I've seen in this game since uh, they initially revealed it. So is this on your radar? How do you feel about uh, Ghostwire Tokyo?
1: Oh, it's on the radar for sure. I mean, it's going to be one of those like, hey, wait and see the reviews, right? Because it could go a few different ways. Yeah. Um, But I mean, the game looks cool. I, I really like the way this type of like cyberpunk type of visual styles coming back i i like the way it's a lot of samurais going on you know like i, I wear a samurai armor and elden ring i got the sashima stuff going on it it's a really cool aesthetic and and uh i think that's what stuck out to me most in that trailer was like all those animations where they have like those magical threads coming off the fingers yeah. and like all those abilities like it, it looks super super cool um the game to me reminds me kind of of what i felt like playing or judging by what it looks like in the trailers it kind of looks like that dishonored style of you know customizable abilities and you're sneaking around do you want to stealth do you want to fight um i think it looks more action focused than that though but i mean it 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 looks like a lot of fun i know um katie's really excited to play it over on our show she'll be talking about it um for sure and i mean if it if it ends up being as cool as it looks i i will be too because it, it looks like a lot of fun and who can forget that original reveal um at e3 with uh I forget what her name is, but everyone's favorite, favorite woman, life. uh, she's not even with the team anymore. That's, that's, no. uh, making the game, but I'll never forget that presentation. And I've <laughs> never forgot Ghostwire's name ever since that either.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, I think a lot of pre-orders were locked right in yeah, but just there totally. with how awesome it totally. was, but yeah. And I'm, a uh, this art style really does it for me where do you mentioned where it's a cyber uh, punk kind of style with like, but also juxtaposed within these like horrible, uh, monsters and like really grotesque looking supernatural stuff. I think just a great idea to merge those two together. Uh, I never played. So this other, the other uh, games from this, uh, from Tango is uh, the uh, Evil Within and people love that series, never really played it, but uh, that gives me hope that at least the action um, is enough to kind of keep you going in. I don't know how open the uh, worlds will be. I know there is some kind of traversal. You'll see people uh, the main character kind of jumping onto buildings or teleporting up with that wire thing, yeah, so you can yeah. do that somewhat. But I wonder if, if you have that dishonored kind of playstyle where you can go stealthy, go around, or sneak. But i uh, very curious, but I think you're right. L- looking at reviews, that's kind of going to be the, the tipping point.
1: Yeah, it looks like that. I think, to me, it's going to come down to a lot about what they do say about the traversal and sort of those movement options. I think that's one thing I've realized is, like, if I'm going to play an open-world game, and I assume this game is going to have you know, a reasonable size map, it really comes down to, is it fun to move around? Because if if I'm going to be exploring somewhere that's this big place and there's, you know, tons of places to visit, like I need to move around quick. That's that's the reason why Spider-Man works so well. You know, the, the open yeah. world is relatively small and you can move around really quick. And so if, if it's fun to parkour around, you're fighting guys, you know, you're in this cool city, your abilities look dope as hell. I mean, this game looks like it's going to be a hit and, and it's a Bethesda game too. So, I mean, you know, it's going to get that marketing push. You know, people are going to be talking about it. Uh, It seems like it's going to be a big hit and I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, around some of the game of the year talk. I mean, I don't know how successful it'll be with, you know, some of the stuff that's already come out and probably will come out later in the year, but it'll be, uh, I think it's going to be a good one.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, interesting to point out what we're kind of expecting Expecting at the end of the year. We have the big juggernaut that's maybe going to get delayed. Who knows? It's already been kind of moved around. But we have God of War Ragnarok. It's set for 2022. That's all we have right now is the date. But we did get that full-blown gameplay trailer a couple months ago at that state of play. Um, do you have hopes that we're going to actually get our hands on it this year?
1: Got hopes, man. You got you to got hope, right? I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things. I feel like the the prevalent internet opinion is that it's going to be delayed. And I feel like whenever games have sort of that late late year sort of release date, it's always a question of if it's going to happen or not. Because like we're just talking about with this with this potential for spoken delay, like, a, you know, a one month delay is not a big deal. But a one month delay at the end of the year means it's coming out next year. So it could change a lot for God of War. Um, <clears throat> I don't think God of War is the kind of game that they want to release with any problems either. Like to me, it's like yeah. that's the king of PlayStation right now is God of War. Um, so I think you want to, similar to like Halo Infinite, you don't want to release it in a bad spot and get bad press and, and, you know, kind of ruin that whole image of the franchise right now, because a lot of people are like God of War 2018 is like the best game ever. A lot of people are, you know, have that kind of opinion. So, um, I hope it hits, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was delayed. Um, if it's delayed though, I feel like it wouldn't be beyond, you know, this time next year. So I don't think we'll be waiting too long. And man, it can't come soon enough. If they, I hope this is one of those weird times where they're like, nope, this is for sure coming out and you can pre-order it now. And, right. uh, you know, just guarantee that for me as soon as you can, because I I can't wait. Like that's, that's going to be such an experience uh, when we finally get to play it.
0: Now, I've had this thought recently where playing... Um... Horizon Forbidden West, and then seeing the high accolades that Gran Turismo 7 has gotten, you have really high potential with what's what's coming this year with Forspoken, Ghostwire Tokyo, Got um, you know, looking at God of War as one of those games. There's been so so much great stuff for PS5, PS4 this year. I don't know if you, is it weird to have all these games kind of pushed into one year? Maybe you kind of spread it out a little bit because you have, I feel like if we didn't have God of War this year, we'd still have a lot to play for like first party or at least exclusive PlayStation experiences on PS4, PS5, where I'm not also mad if we have God of War next year.
1: No, I I mean, I wouldn't be mad either. And like you said before, there's always so much to play, right? There's just endless, endless stuff. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be upset about it either, honestly. And there's, they have enough teams over there there's got to be one or two things unannounced that they're they're working on you know they've bought a few studios recently as well Uh, i think fire sprite was the one you mentioned before but there was a few other studios as well that they've they've kind of said they're working along with so even if god of war is delayed i'm I'm sure they'll have something else to 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 show whatever that ends up being right um we'll have to wait and see but i mean there's there's always so much announced at e3 that's going to be coming out and it's just i think a at this point in the year, anything could happen. Um, but I, I, I think the plan is to get God of War out by the end of this year, though. Like they, they wouldn't say it if it wasn't. And I think that the second you announce a release date or a, like a window for a game of that type of magnitude, it instantly becomes negative press if you delay it, um, even if it's for a good reason. And so I think that you got to be reasonably confident. And I, I hope they are.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a lot easier to to digest um, with the 2022 date. I flash back to when we initially got that PS5 reveal, and it was a state of play, and we got that God of War a logo the, for Ragnarok, and they had that 2021 release date. I remember even then going, no, there's no way we're going right. to get 2021. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was just a race of time. It's like, when are they going to finally announce? It's not this year. And then we finally get 2022. Okay, that makes way more sense development time-wise. And so I think you're right. I do lean on the fact that we're probably going to get it this year. I wonder if we need it because there's so many awesome games and I can't believe I'm even saying we don't need it this year because I can't wait to play this game. But I I am confident 2022 makes more sense, especially if they push it all the way to that holiday season. You got plenty of time, if not early 2023, and we're still playing awesome games at that time. So not. The yeah,
1: exactly. And in either way, at the end of the day, whether it's, you know, two mo- two months difference is it's going to be like. Game of the Year contender, you hope it's going to be a, a great game, everything you want from the sequel of 2018. I mean, you hope it's not a letdown, right? And we say that about PlayStation all the time. They're 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 going to miss one time, like they they can't. Not every game can be like 85 plus on Metacritic or or whatever it ends up being. So you just hope. uh I hope I didn't jinx it there. Knock on. I'm going to knock on some wood right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know why drywall. I even said that. Now that was a terrible idea. But uh yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think it's going to come out. I I don't have too much worry, um, whether it's now or like by this time next year. If it was delayed beyond that, I feel like that's when I'd be like, wow, did something go wrong with this? You know, was there, you know, some internal politics or something happened? Because that right. would be pretty significant at that point. But I I mean, I don't think we're going to have to worry about something like that.
0: No, I think, and you mentioned before where this is now their their biggest darling with Sony Santa Monica. And really whenever um, Naughty Dog is kind of out of the mix because they're working on stuff behind the scenes on whatever their next project is, because they don't have their next game in play, at least publicly, it's all you know eyes on Sony Santa Monica and we now see what God of War looks like I think they're gonna Sony would give them whatever resources whatever time they initially need because that hasn't come out of the gate polished as hell and and at that same caliber that we've known for the last God of War 2018 so I think they you know they're not pushed at all so if they have to have to delay it they will but I think they'll stick with that time
1: yeah you know exactly I mean you, you hit the nail on the head for sure especially with uh, with God of War and I, I think they've got enough enough manpower and other studios i think they've even got some of those new studios sort of supporting and they always i know a lot of companies outsource like a lot of the a lot of the work too so i'm sure they're doing everything they can to to hit what their their goal is with the end of the year
0: yep yep same here all right james we'll kind of end the podcast there it's been a good amount of time here don't want to keep you on the line too long but uh where can they first of all i appreciate once again you dealt with the power outage we're still stuck (laughs) on here um where can they keep up with you online
1: yeah absolutely well you can find um our show over at uh cns pod over on twitter um which is the easiest way to find us we got all our links and stuff over there um for our mm-hmm. show and of course we have episodes every monday it comes out we talk about playstation we talk about games we're playing the news uh, a lot of different stuff we also do um, an extra show every once in a while we actually just did an episode uh creating a tier list of all the different characters on lost uh so that was a lot of fun. Uh, we're I don't know why we did that, honestly, kind of random. We just kind of, you know, tossed the idea around one day and we did it. So we do quirky stuff like that sometimes. But yeah, it's mostly PlayStation video game stuff. And again, at Pod on Twitter, um, you can find me also if you want to. The link's there as well, but I'm at uh, Jackpot. It's J-A-K-K-P-0-T because someone else took the the one with the O and, and uh, yeah. it it is no longer active on Twitter, so I can't even get it back. Hate and that. Uh, it's just the way it is. On Xbox, I have like the zero at the end of the name and it just completely ruins it, man. But what do you do, right? What do you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank th- yeah, thank you for uh, for having me on. It's been a blast, and um, happy to happy to come back whenever. Happy to have you on our show, and uh, it's been fun.
0: You got to say the word, hundred uh, percent. Appreciate you being here. We'll end it there for the week, and I'll keep on the line for a second, James. But keep up the show as well on Twitter at Pod. That's it for this time. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>